Welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. Hello. Hello. Hello there. How's it going, guys? It's going great. How are you? I am good. Yeah. I, uh, Yes, uh, I, I I didn't look at the notes until this morning. I was like, I can't remember if this is video or not. So, are you? I have, <laughs> oh, are you I was dressed prepared. up and ready. No, and so, so here's my situation. I actually just bought an airstream. Oh, oh, sick. Yeah, and I'm turning it into uh, an office. So my mo is I get it as cold as possible before we start, yep. and then I turn everything, and then I turn everything off for sound, and then I just. I just let the temperature creep up in the course of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, so. that's we how do we the get. Same. We're like literally over here stripping off layers of clothes every like ten minutes <laughs> as it gets to up to like ninety degrees. I mean, let's let's be real with where we're starting. Adam's Adam's not wearing a shirt. I'm not wearing pants. This is how we do our <laughs> recording our podcast. I love it. All right. Well, then full full disclosure. I uh, <laughs> I am in my sw- I'm in my swim trunks and nothing else. That's so literally is, me. So is Adam. So proud of you. So proud of us. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have John Steingard, and you may know him as the singer for Hawk Nelson. And as of late, he's been deconstructing his faith in public, and he's curious about matters of faith and spirituality. Any of that sound familiar? (laughs) Let's dive in. John, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> of course, of course. Okay, so we've talked a lot about um, us being in the Christian music industry, so I'm very excited to talk to you about that. We'll probably be swapping yeah. stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and So I'm curious now. I went to Hawk Nelson's Instagram account, um, and I saw that they made that post. I think it was like back in May, you know, yeah. kind of just talking about... Um, you in the situation and I think it was handled so so well and all of that and um so then I was curious then your the timeline of that like that whole you being in Hawk Nelson you being the singer and being like in this spotlight did you quit the band and then and then post publicly or about your faith or yeah what was that timeline sure yeah actually so it kind of started a number of years ago actually um I had started to feel like, well, I mean, so I had been touring since I was 20 years old. Yeah. Right. And and I'm 37 now. And so I guess maybe right around when my son was born, which was which was three years ago, uh, I started really feeling strongly like this is this is not what I want to do forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, 
it wasn't that I hated it. It wasn't that I resented it. Uh, I love the guy. I mean, the the last few years of the band with with David and Micah and Dan, like that lineup, like it was the most like the best friendships internally that the band had ever had. So like yeah. really, really good guys. Um, but I was also aware that that we were getting older and it's like you can do it a long time if you're willing to continually reinvent yourself and to continually hustle and all that stuff. And I knew that was possible. But as I was starting to have kids, I, I really questioned whether that was the life that I wanted. Mm. And yeah. And I had started doing video production kind of on the side. And that that business had really grown to the point where I realized, wow, I could really do this full time if I wanted to. Yeah. And that led me to the question of, well, do I, you know, would I want to? Mm. And, and, you know, when, when you're in a band, I, I, I don't know, you, you guys have a taste of this, like, it, it's so all consuming. And it doesn't really work unless you sort of put it first and then work the rest of your life around it. Yeah. Right. So for so for 15 years, I, I remember my wife and I never, ever went on a vacation without rescheduling it at least once because some show or band related thing came up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I and totally that. I, yeah. And I could never plan any, uh, I could never plan things with my, my family lives in Canada and I could never really plan things with them to, you know, plan times to see them because the band stuff would be, you know, we would take priority, but I also wouldn't know exactly when we were going to be on tour and what the yeah. shows were going to look like. And it just was this very all-encompassing thing. So so I told the guys uh, at the beginning of 2017, at the top of that year, I told them, hey, guys, I'm not freaking out. I'm not pissed off. I love you guys. I love that we get to do this. But I I want to take my life in a different direction. Yeah. And I want to see what life feels like outside of the music business. Because I had also lived in Nashville for 10 years. Yeah. And and the music, like the Christian music was my was my world, right? Yeah. And and so many people in that world live as if that is the world, like the <laughs> only world. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I moved, my wife and I moved out to LA in 2014 and, and just discovered, oh my gosh, there's so much world out here. Yeah. And I was just, I, I just felt like I just don't want to do this one thing for the rest of my life because I think it's the only thing. I'm aware that it's not the only thing. So I want to do other things. Yeah. And, and so I told the guys that and I, and I said, Hey, like, I, I know because I'm the singer, this sort of. Unless you're willing to do another lead singer change, which no one, which no one wanted to do that again. It was, it was so much work and and so, so hard, uh, that I I knew I was making that decision for everyone. So, so I told the guys like, this is where I'm at. I'm not freaking out, but you know, I need an exit ramp basically. So we agreed, we agreed to finish the album we were working on and we, uh, and I agreed to tour for two more years. Okay. And wow, that's so, very you know, long game. Um, I guess it's the conversation. Long, yeah. So you know, some people, some people put in two weeks' notice. I put in two years' notice. That's um, great. Good for you. My sister so, gave me nothing. <laughs> she quit, nothing, and that was she, that was the end of it. 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I don't it, think I I knew that. I mean, did, obviously that put strain on your relationship. I'm assuming. Oh yes. There, we so now I I'll say that we're we're talking and we're hanging out and we're like we're better now a lot better. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a while. There was a year and a half, two years where things were very estranged. But um, but yeah. Anyway, so kudos to you for the two years. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, how that how that dovetails with the deconstruction stuff for me is that I realized about halfway through those two years that I was headed in a direction where my career no longer required me to be a Christian. Mm. And, and mm. My, my entire life, you know, I, I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew up, you know, with an awareness that my behavior reflected on my parents and my parents led a church and that church was my dad's career. And so my behavior reflects on, my behavior directly affects my dad's career and ability to put food on the table. So, mm. so, so in that position, I was sort of like expected to be a good Christian kid. Right. Yeah. And then, and then very quickly in my adult year, you know, in my adulthood, I went straight into being a touring musician as a member of a Christian band. And so in that situation, like my, my, uh, part of my job was to be a Christian. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so it just never occurred to me like it never felt like an option and nothing else ever felt like an option. And, and, and I really bought into it and believed, believed it and, and, and everything. Um, and it wasn't until I started realizing, oh my gosh, like I'm, I, I'm going to, a year from now, I'm going to be doing just film production and video production. And no one cares if, what I believe if I'm doing that. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. so if, if no one cares what I believe and I can believe whatever, mm then what do I believe? Yep. Well, I think I think your community does play so much into that. And yeah. The, I think one of the biggest struggles for the both of us was that like the touring community is always just kind of survival. Like, like we would go yes. out on three or four months at a time. And one of the most challenging things was like, you'd be out every weekend doing the weekend warrior thing. And then you'd feel like you have this like, for me, brotherhood or for any of us, like just this family on the road where like, you confide in each other. You're struggling together. You're you're dealing with you're dealing with the idea of people thinking of you as a product, and then trying to be a real human back on the bus. And then and then you go home, and two weeks later, you see each other downtown Nashville. You see each other at church somewhere, and they hardly remember your name. And Adam also wow. Adam toured not just he didn't drum just for us. I mean, we were his um, chosen band, where his home base band, but he also drummed for other people. But but yeah. so I think like for me, one of the most challenging things was just seeing that that there was so much of an act of Christianity and there was so much of an act of of community that I was like, what do I want? I was, I was gone yeah. the entire time that we were engaged, that Lauren and I were engaged. I was out on the road with people that, that I knew at that point I was going to come back home and wasn't going to be community for me. And it wow. kind of came down to this decision of like, who, who do I want to be mm. and who do I want to surround myself with? And if I'm not surrounding myself with, like you said, people that are professional Christians in a job <laughs> where I'm going out and, you know, my job is to swell the symbols at the right moment to get the most amount of hands to, to, to raise during, during a call for, or during an altar call. And then you come home and, and that community isn't there. And that, that brotherhood of Christ that you were sold 
wasn't wasn't so wasn't so real. It felt like a vapor. And so like I I once I kind of came off the road there and we started finding our community here in Nashville outside of outside of anything that was even creative, honestly. We just jumped back into like yeah. normal life and normal jobs and we were married and we realized that that our lives as a married couple kind of meant something and kind of pointed at something. At some point we were going to mm. have kids and we were going to be responsible for fostering our own belief systems and, and then yeah. our community needed to reflect that. And that was, I think one of the biggest things for us was just mm-hmm. like, you come off the road, you realize that at some point you're going to have kids at some point you're not going to be touring on the road and you kind of have to start th- that process of, of creating something new and something more yeah. stable and rooted and grounded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so sorry that was your experience on the road sometimes. Um I, I I remember always being conscious of the fact that when we were on tour, you know, it was it was natural, the most natural thing in the world cuz you know I, it's different for for every every artist, but you know, we're a band with four guys. We always were a band with four guys and sometimes we'd be on tour with like a solo artist, sometimes we'd be on tour with other bands. But inevitably, like, you'd end up with these these sort of tiered social situations where there's the artist, and then there's like hired musicians, and then there's crew, and 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 those those hierarchies tended to tended to sort of play out automatically if you didn't intentionally, you know, go around them. So like, yeah. I I remember I remember always I remember a few years into touring realizing that like there were guys that I had seen on multiple tours that I didn't know their names. Right. And, and I remember being like, that's kind of messed up. Like I saw them, I saw them like 50, like our winter jam in particular. Cause we did, we did winter jam 2006, 2007 and 2009. And it was most of the crew guys were more or less the same. And I remember in 2009, having this realization that there were crew guys that I had seen on all three of those tours that I didn't know anything about. Yeah. And if you just, if, if, if you stick to the artist mentality, then that doesn't matter. Right. It's just a crew guy. He's just there for a function. You know, it's like a taxi driver, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you're not going to get to know your taxi driver, but it's sort of just, it just, Around 2009, I feel like that that whole thing started to I started to notice it and it started to bother me. And so I started trying to, like, get better at that. Right. Hmm. And 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 I always feel just horribly for anyone who ever felt like they were on the opposite end of that experience. So if you I mean, dude, if you ever had that on any level, I'm, I'm sorry for, you know, that that's really that's really crappy. I think it's interesting that. Winter Jam seems to come up a lot in conversation when I'm talking to people um, when it comes to a, a realizing moment for a lot of other sure. artists, um, yeah. whether or not they were fully on it or whether they were, were or weren't. Um, I was actually just talking to our mutual friend, Dan Bremness, um, and he was, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> he was talking about his, his um, learning moments from Winter Jam and things that he yeah. kind of... Uh, went through and then I was sharing with him my stories of how I we didn't so as Love Clyde we didn't end up being on Winter Jam but we were offered a spot and that ended up um, being one of the the moments that we 
that essentially that broke us as a band because really? it was, you know, what they were asking from us and it was the lights up spot, what they were asking from us. And just, we had been touring and selling our souls essentially on tour. And this was kind of like this moment where it was a, um, it, what is it called? Not like a bittersweet, but something that like seems like it's such a great thing, but it's really not. Um, we'd always mm-hmm. dreamed of Winter Jam, my sister and I. It was like, you know, back then, it's like when you're growing up in youth groups and stuff, it's like the pinnacle. It's like the coolest thing you could go to. It's like the best concert. So it's like we always dreamed of like being on Winter Jam. And then we got offered this um, offered this spot and we had we ended up turning it down because it just was <laughs> the offer was just, just so horrible um, and yeah. So, yeah well they know they know how much leverage they have oh yeah well for sure yeah and it's like anyway so I just think it's interesting that Winter Jam keeps coming up for people and their their stories and how it's it kind of was this point where they shifted narratives or they shifted like point of views, I guess. So anyway, yeah. that, that's just a, a random well, tangent. <laughs> I think for, for most artists, anytime Winter Jam comes up in the last five or six years, the tone of the conversation is, well, I don't really like it. I don't really <laughs> like what it stands for. And I have some problems with it, but it's massive and it's going to give me lots of exposure. So I'm right. going to do it. <laughs> like the machine. That's... that's that's the general tone, like all the way to the top, by the way, like yeah. all the way to the headliner slots. Right. Everybody, everybody except New Song feels that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Like, I mean, you can and, and you know, the, the New Song guys, I, I know them relatively well. And and, uh, you know, when you get to know people, it's hard to it's it's it becomes harder to make it. Uh, a black and white good guy, bad guy thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so, so I, I sort of I see the Winter Jam phenomena as this sort of very weird mixed bag, you know? Um, yeah. Where from the top to the bottom, I mean, I don't think there's a single person that doesn't feel at least a little conflicted about it. Oh All yeah. All the way to the top, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's very interesting to so see you, it. Right? You yeah. said that your your exit ramp had kind of started around the same time as having your first kid. Do you, do you yeah. feel like having your son was something that kind of influenced your movements into your deconstructing phase? Or was that just something uh, that kind of happened parallel to it? You know, I think at the time I didn't think that they were connected, but I've spoken with so many people since then that started a process of deconstruction right around the same time as becoming a parent. So I, I think there's something to it. And, and I haven't, totally figured out what that relationship is yet but um it seems to be such a such a common moment um to to begin deconstruction specifically for people that grew up in in the church yeah um so so i i do feel like it's connected and and i have some guesses as to some of those connections but at the time it certainly like i wasn't thinking about it as Oh, I'm I'm becoming a parent, so it's time to question everything I've ever believed. <laughs> I, I I did feel the pressure of creating uh, a worldview uh, for him, like giving him a worldview, because my my parents granted me this very coherent, you know, and I I don't. There's a lot about it that I don't really believe anymore, but they they gave me this foundation of this stability of of their certainty about their faith and about what the world was and about who God is. And, and 
I think there's a lot about that stability that I'm that I'm that I have to be grateful for, even though I've deconstructed a lot of it now. Yeah. So I so I feel this pressure with my son to go, okay, well, I want to give him some sort of stable ground to start his life on. Yeah. yeah. And uh and and wanting to know the truth about God was a big part of big part of that. And and it was so stressful for me. And uh, I mean, I went into a pretty serious depression most of 2019. Okay. Yeah. Um, just as I was processing all this stuff really deeply and and realizing, I think it was in February or March of 2019 that I ha- I first had the the actual concrete thought of of I don't think God is real. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it and and you know sometimes you hear you, you hear these stereotypes of people talking about people that walk away from faith and they say like, oh, he must want to really do go do some sin in. He must have some <laughs> right. sin in his life that he's trying to justify. Yeah. And like, like, like it's like I'm having a good time over here. Right. Like, I'm <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I'm having a great time. I don't want to bring God into it. And that wasn't it at all for me. It, it, it totally pulled the rug out from under my feet. Yeah. Um, and, and in my therapy sessions, when I, when I started going to therapy, which was one of the best things I ever did, by the way. Yeah. Um, when I started going to therapy, a central theme in my therapy sessions was, what do I teach my children? Mm. And and one of the most powerful things my therapist ever said to me, and it, of course it was in the form of a question because most of the most powerful things are. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was talking about parenting and, you know, raising my kids upright and, you know, teaching them the truth and, and you know, I just, I remember saying, I just want to do it right. And my therapist asked me, well, do you think there's such a thing? Yeah. And, and that was, that was a big moment for me when I realized that we're all asking these questions, right? My parents, my parents, even as certain as they are about their faith, I'm sure there were tons of things they were uncertain about when it came to parenting and how to raise me. And, um, and they erred on the side of just loving me unconditionally and they did a really good job at that. And, and, and that, that carried weight, you know? Yeah. I, I'm, you know, you, I'm wanting to be cognizant of the pain that I know that you've experienced, especially you said, in 2019, you um, dealt with depression, and I, I I can relate to that as well. And I I guess my I'm curious about um, what exactly if you can pinpoint, maybe you can't, but why what was painful? Because for my deconstruction, that was very parallel with when my sister quit the band. So you know I really so it was like she quit the band, quit the band. Um, yeah, my deconstruction first started being liberated with who, how I saw God when Adam and I first started dating. So that was kind of like a liberation I had felt. But then like hmm. the brokenness and the like, what do I believe if one, so I was, you know, I was feeling the pain of the separation between my sister and then also my family, like my mom, because everybody was involved in, in a sense. Um so there was that, but then the whole thing about the professional Christian, I was I was figuring out what 
I believed or what I stood by and stood for whenever it wasn't tied to what I did. Um, and so mm. there was a lot that I was, I was mourning like a lot at once, like a ton. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And you were mourning your relationship with your sister. I mean, yeah. A big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, I, I had lost the community with her and the community of tour and the community of being a, like a quote unquote Christian, what that looked like. So there was just, and Adam and I had just gotten married early that year. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of change that was going on. So my, a lot of my deconstruction sad and grief had a lot to do with other things as well. So um, with you... Totally. And yeah, that makes... That totally makes sense. But then with your story and you had you had communicated to your band a couple of years before 2019. So it was like 2017, you communicated, hey, I need an out, I need an exit ramp. And then it was like the real like deconstruction really happened a lot for you um, in a lot of 2019. I'm... I guess my main question is like, what was so, what was the part that you were grieving? Was it, Mm. you knew tour life was ending and that, that season of you was kind of ending or was it the beliefs that you held onto? Like, what was it that you were grieving? Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, because I was intentionally already stepping away from, you know, Christian music and the band, that wasn't really so much what I was grieving because because I had initiated that, you yeah. know, and I felt I felt really ready for that. I was really ready to experience life outside of not just Christian music, but music in general. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I remember where I was the last time I wrote a song. Mm. Uh, you know, it was October 2017 and it was yeah. at John Smith's studio in in uh, Franklin. And and, you know, uh so it wasn't so much the it wasn't so much the community it wasn't so much the 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 music stuff for me the biggest grief was that i i had always felt like god was there for me mm. and was providing for me and would be there if i needed him and i've always been a my personality is such that I've always been a risk taker. I'm always willing to throw caution to the wind and just go for it. Yeah. And, and, and part of the reason that I've felt so confident to always just go for it is that I, I really did believe that God would always be there to, to catch me if I, if I, you know, failed too horribly. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, you know, my mom even asked me, you know, in the process of this whole deconstruction thing, my mom, my mom asked me, like, don't you feel like you've had God's favor on your life? And, and you know, like, how can you deny all, you know, my mom even said, I think you're a pretty, like, smart guy, but I think that you've had more good things happen to you in life than you can really take credit for based on your, you know, mm. intelligence and your work ethic or whatever. <laughs> like, you've, you've been blessed. Yeah. And I said, I said, Mom, I agree. Like, I have always thought that. Um, and, and, and. And so, so the problem with that thought for me was that when I'm confronted with the suffering of other people mm. and all the stories of people that didn't have things work out the way they did for me, then, then you kind of got to go, okay, well, does that mean that God just is blessing me and not them? Yeah. Because that's kind of, that's kind of a problem. Like, right. And, and then, and then I go and I do a documentary in Uganda and, you know, the classic cliche of like a white guy goes to Africa and has his world destroyed, you know, like 
right by what he by what he sees there but it it it, it was real for me I, I i went and saw the most horrible suffering that i've ever seen in my life and involving children the same ages as my children mm. and that was a linchpin moment for me where i was like nope there's like i cannot but the maybe god is real but he is not who i was you know, not who I grew up believing he was because the God that's so good and so personal that he even answers our prayers for a parking spot when we pull into church, who's so in the details of our lives, you're telling me that God is just letting these people starve and die of, you know, I was documenting this, this people group called the Batwa where 50% of the children don't make it to the age of five. Mm. So what do you do with that if you believe God is so good that he even answers our prayers for a parking spot when we pull into church? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. And so so I told my mom, like, like, what do I you know, like, yes, I, I do feel like God has had his favor on my life. But it just I think I just that that doesn't make sense to me anymore. And so back to your question of the feeling of grief and loss, like I grieved and lost the, the, the sense of security that I had, yeah, the sense of pro- providence that I had, the, the idea that, that God had a plan for my life and that there was a purpose on my life before I was even born. Like that was drilled into me. Like before you were born, God knew you, God saw you and God had a purpose for you. Like that's a really, that's a really comforting idea. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I lost, I felt like I lost that and, and then apply that to my kids and go like, Mm. like what, what in the, you know, what in the F do I tell my children, you know, like, how do I, like, what, what can I give them to have security for them to have security in life? Yeah. What, like, what, what can I tell them to, to let them know that like, no matter what happens, everything's going to be okay. When like in my heart, I, I don't know that that's true. Like I look around in the world and I go, there are a lot of people for whom everything is not going to be okay. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Right. Yeah. And that was that was that was my grief. Like my grief was very centered around suffering and the suffering I saw in the world and and the implications for my for my own life and my and my family's life. That that was it for me. Wow. Yeah. So yours was like a very, like a big, like a, like a theology, like a big overarching, like who God is and like what that means. I feel like it was theological. Yeah. But it was, but it was also the implications Mm. of like, of, of feeling like I didn't, the thing that my parents gave me was certainty about life. Yeah. And I realized that I no longer had that to give to my children. Yeah. Unless I was willing to, unless I was willing to, to give it to them and all the while feel like I was lying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which, which I, which I don't feel like I'm capable of. Right. Yeah. Well, I can, I can tell like just as somebody who like, uh, deconstructs and breaks things down and is just being honest on, even on social media. Like I, I, I feel that I resonate with, with just having to be so honest. You're like, I just, there's just no way, not even in the way that you could, um, even offer somebody comfort. You can't, you can't say what you don't believe. Um, so I just don't have, I don't have it in me. And, and, you know, like that's actually even been hard the last six months or so whenever I have a friend going through a hard time, mm. like, uh, it's been a really interesting process and, and we don't have to linger on this, but it's a really interesting idea. I, I feel like when Christians are confronted with suffering, most Christians look for the fastest route to a pretty resolution. And yeah. sometimes that's like, oh, well, you should do this or you should pray about it or you should talk to your pastor or you should talk to your church or whatever. But or, or they'll be like, I'm praying for you, which sometimes people are really genuine and mean that in a really beautiful way. And other times it's a way of getting out of the situation. Oh, you yeah, know? for sure. But I've discovered in the last six months, because I don't feel like I have any of those things to offer anymore. Yeah. When I have friends that are suffering, the only thing I can do is sit with them in it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what they need anyways. Well, yeah, that's the, um, have you seen or have you watched any of Brene Brown or read? Oh, I love Brene Brown. I knew you were going there and I was so happy about it. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah, no, she's, she's, yeah, she's, she's spectacular. Her little, there's a little, I don't even know what you call it, like a little animation that there's uh, on YouTube about um, her thing about empathy. And I, that's like definitely yeah. what, what that reminds me of. And it it is hard. Vulnerability. Oh, vulnerability. Well, yeah, that was like her first thing that Adam Adam and I watched her vulnerability TED talk when we first started dating. And we built our we built our whole relationship off of that, which I'm very thankful for Brene Brown. I feel like it's like a common thread throughout our relationship. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's so awesome. If I get to if I get to meet her in life at some point, then uh, then I feel like I've done I've done something right. I know, right? <laughs> She's so incredible. She's so incredible. And like throughout this whole thing, of course, you've put yourself out there. You've you've made yourself public, um, and so that is a choice for you. But also, I there's been a lot of change in your life. How how does it feel to be getting so much attention? on this. I mean, you, you were in the spotlight as a Christian artist and now you're kind of still in the spotlight as a deconstructing artist. Like how does, how are you processing that? You know, what's interesting, right? As you said that I realized that what I'm doing is art. Yeah. Wow. I had never thought of it. I had never even remotely thought of it like that. Yeah. Um, but you said deconstructing artist, and I'm not sure if you meant artist referring to a musical artist or, or you, if you meant art as in the deconstruction itself. I meant but, it all. I'll take credit. Just yeah, <laughs> but, but, but I had never really thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, okay. So I'm so enamored with that idea that I've totally, I've totally forgotten what your question was. No, you're good. Honestly, yes, that's definitely the route I've kind of taken or it's it the route that's been, I guess, 
even paved for me um, in a sense because sure. I, I'm an artist as well. And But then yeah. I'm not really doing music anymore in any way. I mean, I kind of, yeah. but not really. Um, and certainly not, not in the way I was. And uh, there was a sense of like identity shift for me. But then at the same time, I realized that what I'm doing, having a podcast, you know, holding conversations, whether it's on, you know, social media or YouTube or whatever, talking about deconstruction and my spirituality. And, you know, I think on my Instagram, I have on my bio, it says something like I'm a spiritual being documenting my human experience or something. Um, I love that. Something like I that. Love that. <laughs> That's a good phrase. Um, thanks. <laughs> and so, yes, my, I guess my, my question was like, how are you, um, how are you processing the, the, I, the switch, but it's not the, it's not really oh, switch. Yes. Essentially you're still, you're still in the spotlight, but there's, it's a different, it's in a different color. It's in a, it's paved in different, yeah. whatever. How, how are you processing that? Well, you, you know, it's really odd because genuinely when I posted that post on Insta on Instagram, it was May 20th. Mm. And, and I knew that one way or another, that post would change my life, but I yeah. legitimately thought it, I thought it was the culmination and the finale and the end of something. Mm. I never really thought of it as the beginning of something. Right. Um, and and so I genuinely thought that I would post that thing. Maybe for a week, people in Christian music would be like, oh, did you see John? You know, geez, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> and then and then I just assumed everything, you know, life would go on and everyone would move on. And I mean, I've I've. I'm just, I, I live in a hyper awareness of how quickly people move on and forget about you. And so I'm, yeah, I, I, I just didn't think that, you know, Hawk Nelson hadn't been like in the forefront of people's minds for some time. Yeah. And so, so I sort of just didn't think it would really be that big a deal. Right. Um, and for a few, and for a few days it, it wasn't. And then Fox News ran an article, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the the headline was Christian singer says he no longer believes in God, and after Fox News ran the article, then CNN ran one, and then New York Post, and then USA Today, and then and and I I lost track after that. It was it was it blew it was up kind of all over yeah kind of all over the place for a few days yeah and um. And, oh gosh, for that week, uh, for that week, I did not know what to make of life. Yeah. I was like, I was like, well, I've, I've totally lost control of this narrative. Now it is whatever it is. And I have no, I have no control over it. Mm. Um, but the only thing I can do is, is continue to write things that I'm thinking. So I kept writing. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I kept posting things and, and then, you know, I'm a filmmaker by trade. So I started like tinkering with putting up some videos and I mean still to I mean to a large degree I'm super unorganized like I I I haven't like figured out hey this is the form in which I want to tell this story like I'm just doing a little bit of all kinds of stuff and I'm super I'm super disorganized about it right now but um but I discovered that there were so many people in this same position Mm -hmm. and I actually I actually found that even before I went public, I just noticed that a lot of my friends that I had these conversations with privately had a lot of the same questions as me and a lot of the same doubts as me. And and 
and it's just that a lot of people were afraid to voice them because of the consequences they might experience in their life. Yeah. And, and as soon as I posted this publicly, I realized, wow, like I actually have the ability to go first. Mm. And I, I can't remember. And, and certainly I'm not first. Like that's, that's a, that's an egotistically sound driven way to sort of look at it. But in, in my community of friends, I, of people I talk to regularly, I, I was sort of the first one to come out and talk about this stuff publicly. Yeah. And, and, um, and I think the idea of going first, even if you're not actually first, just the sort of idea of going first is a really powerful one because you're, you're telling people it's okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I care about more than anything else in this process is all the people that are, you know, that are seeing the stuff that I'm either writing or posting or whatever. And I'm sure you have this, these same feelings too, where, where you you want people to know that they're not alone. Yeah. Um, Because isolation is one of the, I mean, as we're all learning in 2020, like isolation is one of the most devastating things that you can experience as a human being. Yeah. We're, we're, we're such social creatures that when we feel isolated, it's, it, it, it causes us to shrink back into ourselves. And, and when we're doing that, we're doing the opposite of growing, you know, mm. we're, we're shrinking, we're becoming, instead of becoming what we used to be plus something, we're becoming what we used to be minus something. Right. Um, and so I, I actually feel, and I've told my, you know, my parents this, that what I'm passionate about is, is, is helping people who who have questions and doubts to face them head on. Yeah. And I have no I have no like dog in the race of where that the, they end up from there. Yeah. Uh, I just I just want people I care about to have a meaningful fulfilling life. And if you have all these doubts and questions that you're terrified to face, then you're not living. No, you know, yeah. like you're not you're you're living a life that's less than what it could be. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and so that's what motivates me now. Yeah. And as far as the identity stuff, I mean, like, gosh, I have, I I feel like I'm still in the middle of it. So I kind of don't know what to make of the whole thing. Yeah. But, but what you said to me a minute ago actually really helped me when you said, it, you know, a deconstructing artist. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the art, the, the art, form of deconstruction in public that that, that I'm doing and that you're doing and having these conversations. Um, that's a, that's a, to think of it as art is a really interesting and helpful for me way to think about it. Well, it, it kind of has to be, I mean, I think artists is not just like, not just means you're a singer. Like, I feel like there's so many other ways of being an artist Mm-hmm. Well, I mm-hmm. think I feel like especially for the both of you guys, like your art was the snapshot that people took to define who you were to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's that right. there's that whole idea of I am who you say I am. Yeah. That like I think that transcends a lot of a lot of trying to like hustle around and like like you can't really break that because because the only thing you ever will be to anyone else is their perception of who you are. Right. And whether that's in a sure. single space or or whatever, like. Uh, I, I, I think that is, is pretty, pretty widespread and true. And so for 
to be able to be an artist for Lauren, somebody, I think it was on the podcast, maybe like five, six what? weeks ago. Somebody brought up to you that, that you, Oh, I was being interviewed an artist. on Goddess Grace Pop podcast. Yeah. yeah. She, I, it was interesting. Cause like, I was like talking with her about everything that <laughs> I do. I was like, well, I have a blog. I have a YouTube channel. I have a podcast, blah, blah. She's like, I, yeah. When I just like think of you, I just like think of the artist. I think it was her that said that, or maybe she's yeah. something else, but, um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like, that there's a sense of you you're saying that there's it's almost a little like unorganized right now and i think that's very artistic as well um of like <laughs> expressing yourself yeah. and like not knowing where things are and letting it be messy because i mean in a sense i'm still it's still very messy for me but now i at least have this podcast where it's like this is what i'm talking about and this is when i'm you know talking about the specific yeah. thing but at first at first i mean adam can attest like i was my first coming out of, you know, you, you posted your original post of on Instagram of like your thoughts and you were like, basically here's, here's where I was and here's, here's where I am now. And here are my thoughts, whatever. And my first like kind of breaking the ice was when I made a video and I put it out on YouTube and on my Instagram TV about how I became an affirming Christian, like LGBTQ affirming. And there was a sense of, um, when I'm just like, I'm looking at the way you have approached your deconstruction. It's interesting because I feel like yours was a little bit like, um, I mean, cause you, you did a lot of like your, your, I, your perception of like who God is and how you see God or not, you know, kind of like, or the lack thereof. Um, and for me, I did m my first like coming out as a deconstructing Christian or deconstructing human being was I was wanting to add things to my Christianity in a sense. Like oh. I wanted to, I was like, well, this is included now. And also I am into astrology and I'm a Christian and I'm a, this, a feminist and I'm a Christian. And I was like adding things to the table, which in, in a way I ended up having to create a post. It's like now what, what is it like two months ago now that I call it my unchristian post? Um, because, right. because I was including the term Christian still, I was still getting so many messages from people saying, you know, well, because you're a Christian, essentially trying to keep me in line and trying to like <laughs> reel yeah, me back. I see, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an interesting, it's interesting to see how it, the approaches are different. And of course I don't, I, your scale is a whole bit bigger, a whole bit. It's a lot bigger than my scale, but at the same time, it's interesting to kind of see and read the comments and, and read what you're talking about and how you're approaching it. Um, because yeah, it's, it's, it is an art I, form. I don't think, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's about scale at all. Like I, like for anyone that goes through this process, it, it's like, it's everything to you, you know, like, yeah. like like how how can anybody measure my everything against your everything yeah. you know what i mean right. like 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 there's absolutely no way that that my deconstruction is any more earth-shaking for me than yours was for you yeah uh but i, I do see how your progression is different than mine i went i essentially went from zero to 60 <laughs> like yeah I, I went i went from everyone believes i'm a i'm a christian and a christian like leader and spokesman mm -hmm. in a way to like yeah i don't believe in god i don't right <laughs> um, right which is and in, in a way it was actually easier because because like of all the things people can level at me like they can't 
they can't say, well, you know, as a brother in Christ, I really mm-hmm. think you should consider mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nope, nope. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm a little jealous, well, honestly. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, and, and, you know, it is so freeing. And my wife and I talk about this all the time. We feel this, we feel this unbelievable sense of freedom ever since we sort of, you know, quote unquote, came out, mm-hmm. um, yep. which has given me this whole new perspective on, you know, those that are, you know, gay or trans or bi or, 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 or anything other than sort of the soup, you know, I'm a 37 year old white male, yeah, straight white male. Like, it's like, it's no, there's no one more basic than me. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like, it gave me an insight into what someone that comes out yeah. must feel like. And not that I feel like I fully understand it because I feel like there's so many ways of coming out that are, that are way, way different than what, what I experienced and maybe, you know, a lot more challenging. But it gives you a sense of, of that feeling. Uh, 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 it, gave, it gave me a, a sense of it. And the, the freeing thing is for me that I, I now feel like, okay, I'm back at square one. Mm-hmm. And from now on, all of my relationships are based on a, a, a very real reflection of who I am. Yeah. And that is awesome. Yeah. Like, that's the thing I tell people when when, when I talk to people that, that are, you know, questioning and doubting and or maybe they've full on haven't believed in God in a long time, but they haven't told anybody. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe they're in a Christian community where they where they don't feel like they can. The thing I always come back to is, is I'm like, look, life is not that long. Mm-hmm. Do you want to spend it pretending? Right. Or, or do you want to spend it being honest about who you are and what you believe and then and start there and then see where it goes? Yeah. And you might be surprised. Like, I mean, not a, I've heard a lot of stories of people in the last few months. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories of people that have come out and said that, you know, they've no they no longer believe in God and, and say that they've been totally uh, rejected by their Christian friends and family or whatever. And that that's horrible and mm. awful. And and um, and and mostly has not been my experience. I actually feel like most of I mean, my family and, and close friends have been very kind. About, about that's awesome. Um, so I'm great. I'm grateful for that. But I look at it and go, even if they hadn't been, at least now we're operating on a level of transparency and honesty that we weren't yeah. before. Yeah. And and in time, I have to believe that that's better. Yeah. Right. You know? No, I, I agree. And I think it's cool. You said that you and your wife both have been going through this. Was that simultaneous or was it, what, did she kind of so, yeah. see you and was just like, what's going yeah. on? Mm- so my, my wife and I are definitely in very similar places with this yeah. stuff. We're both pastor's kids. We both grew up in charismatic churches. Our, 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 our upbringings are very, very similar. Mm. So, so we have a lot of the same baggage, yeah, right. you know. And um, I am more likely to, like, dig in and read. For the, last, for the last two or three years, I've been getting up at 4 a.m. most days. Wow. And, uh, and reading until about six or six or seven. Wow. And so, so I've just consumed like a, a huge amount of information in the last couple of years. 
And my wife, my wife likes sleep too much. She's, she, there's no way she's going to do that. So, <laughs> same girl, so, same. So, yeah. So her process, her process is much less intellectual mm. than mine. And it's much more by feel. Mm. Um, you know, she checks in with me, you know, she's like, oh, what are you reading now? What does that make you think? And so she, she sort of gets the Cliff's notes from me. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but then the funny thing and, you know, Adam, maybe, maybe you, you relate to this on, you know, wives is that my wife has this way of cutting to the core of things in a way that, that I could never do. And, and cause I sort of like, I like, I sort of on some sick <laughs> level, I like it when things are complicated, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I like I like taking things apart and seeing what they look like and all the different so theories. So deconstruction and ideas about is, it. is a thing for you. <laughs> yeah, it's like right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And and my wife, you know, I'll tell her about all these different things and, and then she'll say, like, well, so it's kind of like this, right? Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 that's an, and I'll be like, no, no, that that's totally an oversimplification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then, and then, and then she'll be like, but is it really? Like, it kind of seems like it's just that. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. It is. You know what's funny is like and I think I think your dynamic with your wife is is flipped for us. Yeah, I will say that. Oh, yeah. really? We're, I mean, and, and a lot of things. Except for, for us. the fact that I like sleep, I will say that right, I, I'm true. a sleeper, <laughs> but I'm I'm a, I'm the researcher. But as she's well. the researcher, so she's the one that'll dive in. And man, I mean, when I tell you that her deconstruction started, and I had no idea, <laughs> and then I was presented with a thesis like <laughs> five months, six months wow. later. I mean, I had no idea. And so she she's actually more the type that she reads things. And I've always kind of been a little bit more fluid. And so she'll present things to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that aligns with the way that I felt my way through this. He's more the feeler. In my whole life. So you, yeah, so you you sort of are a more gut, you operate more on gut. Yeah, feeling. I mean, with everything. With people, yeah. like, my my thing is I can I can read energies, like, in a room, which helps yeah. me because I'm introverted. Yeah. So I can just kind of assess things and then find my safe spaces. But I think in something like this, it's the same way. Like I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy that I'm reading from her so that I can kind of jump in and say, Hey, like I can tell you're feeling this certain way about this certain thing. And I just want to bring you into mm. my space. That's not may, maybe not so intellectual and maybe a little bit more into, into something that's a little bit more spiritual and disconnected from, from sure. Theory. Yeah. So that's a good that's a good dynamic. What what did that look like, Lauren, when you first started deconstruction? When you first started deconstructing, I mean, Adam, where were you at at that time? And I mean, did it throw your relationship for a loop? Or or so I've kind of spent my whole life. Uh, I I've always questioned everything and never really owned anything in my faith. And so, like, uh, I I would. I would maybe be more in line with the people that have a lot of questions, but really didn't want to like come public with it. They didn't want to have that conversation. Like I had always kind of been. You existed by association and I think in Christian communities. In Christian spaces for sure. Oh, but then, you know, there were okay. certain times where like. Not I. I was, I was in a Bible <laughs> was study when I was, uh, I was in a Bible study when I was like 18 or 19. And there was just some, some verses uh, that, that, challenged me to the core of like, I don't think I believe that the Bible is, is inerrant uh, because I can't believe in these certain things that the Bible tells me. And so 
Oh, I'm I'm with you on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean it was Roman it was Romans nine that got me yeah. stuck. The whole like uh, <laughs> Potter with the with the can make one pot to put on a shelf and one to throw trash into, and like who are you as the clay to to question the creator? Um, and wait, it's Romans nine that got yeah. You? I have never heard that in my life before. There's so many there's so many verses that I feel like I'm familiar with uh, as far as what verses kind of cause people to question inerrancy. Yeah. I have never heard anyone bring up this. this well, okay, point. so I guess I'll jump into my kind of process yeah. about that was kind of uh, it brings up the whole idea of predestination versus free will, right? Yeah. And so sure, okay. And so with that being something that I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't hold either one of those. I can't say that that we're so free will that like God really doesn't know what we're going to do. He's just kind of like throwing us out in the universe and he's like, well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but I also wasn't right. in a space to say, you know, uh, God created us and hated somebody and cast them to hell before he even created them. He created something for eternal suffering. Like I couldn't say that either. And so right. I got caught up in this space right. and especially in this group. I mean, this group was very Calvinist. I grew up in Minnesota where, um, we have uh, John, John Piper, like yeah. right there. Uh, oh, dude, Calvinism's tough, man. Like, it's a trick, and we had a lot of people that were sold on it. Man, I don't, I don't get like, I didn't grow up in a Calvinist environment at all, but when I studied it, I was like, I, I wasn't, I didn't question what could bring someone to believe this? I questioned who would want right. to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's basically where <laughs> I was at. I was constantly pushing back against that. But then, you know, with those people surrounding me and bringing verses to the table, I was like, I can't, I can't believe this. So you kind of just held everything very mm. loosely. And so, yeah, that's the point where I was like, well, you know, maybe they both exist. Maybe, maybe the God that created us knows us so well and created every synapse in our brain and created every, every chemical that was going to fire in us and all of that. And just, so intricately made that through creation, he, he, it, the universe knew what we would do just because creation is so intricate. But I mean, I've moved past that in a lot of ways, but that's where it started. Yeah. Can I ask, yeah. Can I ask you a question about kind of where you are now? Um, so I, 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 you just sort of referred to, you know, the universe, and you're you're probably familiar with the the sort of Paul Tillich idea of the ground of being. I d- it sounds I like don't, I don't think so, but I'm interested. Okay, so it, so yeah, Tillich was this. Um, well, you, you 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 can look him up. He he's he's really interesting. Um, I sort of learned about him via Peter Rollins, who you yeah. may mm-hmm. be more mm-hmm. familiar with, maybe. Um, so this idea of ground of being is basically a, a way of conceptualizing the idea of God, and it. It basically, it goes something like this. It's like, God is that from which everything arises mm-hmm. and that which and that which sustains all things. Yeah. So it's, it's not far off from sort of interchangeable with the universe or, you know, I guess pantheism kind sure. of, yeah. but it doesn't feel exactly like that to me. Um, and that's sort of, that's sort of the idea of God that that I can sort of at least where I'm at right now I can like kind of wrap my head yeah. around yeah and go like well maybe maybe that you know so um, my like but where yeah where are you at with that it's, stuff so now? it's really it's one of the most challenging things for me because I think it's the scariest is I think I find myself at least on this side of the world the most spiritually connected 
when I can kind of sit and I can see other humans and I can see life in the world and I can, I can take a minute to see myself operating in a lot of different kind of uh, consciousness, I guess, in a way like to, I guess to like put, to put so many words to it. But the moment that I realized that the same consciousness that's in me is in everything else. And therefore like my consciousness mm. is just living out a lot of different iterations of itself and seeing the world yeah, and sure. being creation. And I guess like if I have to, if I had to, if I had to pick what I believe through the pinhole that I see the creator of the universe, the energy, whatever. Now, if I have to like, if I have to pinpoint what the small piece of it that I'm seeing now is like, I think that maybe it just is an energy. I think, I think it, it, it exists in intentionality because we are conscious and I think maybe we are heaven is just returning back our energy being mm. sent back to that yeah. amalgamation of energy, wherever that is, whatever that is. I, I don't you, think it's some, that's interesting. I don't think it's some big ball of energy floating out somewhere in the stratosphere, but, but yeah, I guess that's but, right. It's not, it's not a physical thing. It's a metaphysical. Yeah. It's not me walking around uh, and, you know, on the golden streets and I see Lauren and I am, I love sure, that I see sure, my soulmate yeah. there. It's, it's that I am one with my soulmate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you start studied Carl Jung at all, but I think you'd like yeah, him. That's great. I'll, I'll take a peek. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it, it's actually really, um, uh, are, are you familiar with Jung at all? Jung mm-hmm. at all? He's a he's a psychoanalyst. Okay. He sort of followed in uh, Freud's footsteps, sure. yeah. um, but but he took a lot of Freud's ideas way way further. And uh, his, his last name is per, uh, it's spelled J U N G. He's I think he was Swiss. Okay. Um, and uh, I mean, he has a bunch of ideas that are amazing and have really helped me actually. Um, but but. I've almost, I've barely read him directly at all. I've read other people writing about him because his own writings are so complicated. And like, it's just really, really hard. Yeah. But, but he has this idea of um, the collective unconscious. Yeah. So, so, so this idea that basically like, and, and I don't know how metaphysical he was getting with it, but, but basically that we have, we have our consciousness and our awareness, you know, that would be our, that would be sort of our ego. And, and, and then beneath that is this sort of like dreamlike state, um, which is our unconscious mind. And, and Jung sort of believed that in some way or another, that, that our unconscious mind was, was tapping into uh, this group unconscious mind. And, and I don't, I don't know how much it was like, whether we're connected to other human beings right now, or whether it was more sort of an ancestral sure. thing, like we're connected to our ancestors through genetics and, and all that stuff. Um, but, but basically, Jung sort of believed that, that there was this collective unconscious that we arise from, and then when we die, we return yeah. to it. And that, that sort of, that sort of ties into what you're, you were saying. Yeah, entirely. Um, the other... The other idea he had that is a game changer for me is the idea of the shadow, which is probably his. Yeah, I do know his that most one. Pop, his, yeah, I was gonna say if you know of anything from Jung, it's yeah. this. So, so he sort of he sort of believed that that if you 
you you cannot hope to be a good person until you face how horrible you actually are capable of being. And so and so he sort of he sort of his idea was basically with the shadow was like you you need to look at the most horrible people you can think of and you need to understand how you could totally be capable of that. And and uh because a lot of people go through life truly believing that they're good people and oh I could never mm. I could never. And his point is like until you see the most awful person imaginable and you can understand how you yourself are capable of the same things that they're capable of. And you could see yourself doing it. Until you come face to face with the darkest parts of your psyche in that way, until you come face to face with your shadow, you have no hope of being a truly good person. Because the truly good person is the, is the person that can face that shadow and see it for what it is and see how it could be real. And then, and then they can maybe do something about not being that yeah. person, you know? Um, and that's a really, the, the thing that that rescued for me is the idea of sin. Because I went through a phase where I was like, sin is basically Christians making us feel guilty for a bunch right. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And and then, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that and it can be really manipulated. But when I when I learned about the shadow, it reminded me of the idea of sin. Right. And it and it made me go, okay, like this isn't someone putting this on me. This is me like I can truly become a better person if I recognize how horrible I'm capable of. Yeah. Being. Well, and I think I think that that you puts know? so much more control on you. Like I feel like sin was always something that was so you're told that you're born into sin, that you are sin, that you are mm. nothing, that you're no good without God. And I, yes, and I think that's a really harmful doctrine. Absolutely, and I think the idea, yeah, it, it may run parallel to sin, but I think I think sin itself is a bastardization of that theology or that that idea of of the shadow. I think it puts yeah. so much more control onto you, and and gives you so much more responsibility to maintain your consciousness and yourself and grow for yourself. And I'm curious. So, where does that yeah. where does that put your where does that put your theology or idea of of the universe? Yeah. Hey, everyone! Want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode and rate and review the podcast, as it helps others find this online community. Thanks so much. Now back to the episode. Yeah, well, it depends on the day, man. Yeah. Like, you know, I, 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 I tell my wife, like, you know, some days I find myself somewhat kind of believing in God again. Um, but it's obviously different than what it used to be. And then other days, other days I wake up and I'm like, no, no, definitely <laughs> not. Um, but it's, it's, it's really tough. Uh, the, the place I find myself in now is is this is what I'm trying to get to the bottom of now and I'm really obsessed with it. Um so I've I studied uh anthropology a good mm-hmm. bit over the last year yeah. and 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 sort of the the history of humanity and how we evolved and and you know like you know I I grew up in a, an environment that 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 rejected evolution and then right. you know upon studying it i'm like well no wonder no wonder it's taught in schools it's because it's it's pretty well established right. it's pretty true so so 
Yeah, it's pretty true. So, so this is this is what's interesting to me. Um, we, you know, we didn't evolve from apes. That's a misconception. We evolved from a common ancestor. So, apes and human beings have a common ancestor, and and our our genetics diverged somewhere around six or seven million years ago, something sure. like that. And and um, you know, as we became more developed, eventually we started to become self-aware. Now, when we, we became self-aware, we already had habits. We already had a culture. We already had things that we do. Like if you look at, um, you know, chimpanzees or you look at, um, you know, lots of different animals, especially mammals that can be very social, um, they have like a way of being in the world, right? Like, like chimp chimpanzees have troops and, and these troops have, have sort of, you know, like a, a hierarchy and they have ways of acting out. It's almost like they believe things, but you know, they don't actually believe things. They're just acting it out. Right. So, so as human beings, we used to be like that. Like we, you know, we would act certain things out and, if our actions led to greater, you know, chances of us reproducing, then we'd be naturally selected for, you know, reproduction. And we would, you know, those traits would tend to win out. So eventually we become self-aware and we start to ask the question, why do we behave the way that we do? And so we, we start to ask like, well, why is it that it seems to be better to take care of each other? Why is it that it seems to be better if, you know, parents care about their children? Why does it seem to be better if we work together and we have something resembling ethics, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we start, you know, asking these questions and, and then we start noticing that there's certain ways of being in the world that are better than other ways. And so we start telling stories about why that is. And those stories, you know, get passed down verbally for a long period of time. And they, they, it goes on and on. And eventually it turns into mythology. And if you look at like ancient cultures, there's almost no cultures that developed that didn't believe in some form of gods or God or, or something. And I find that really interesting that, that basically there were no atheistic prehistoric cultures that I know of. I mean, I mean, if, if, if it's possible, you know, someone might point one out to me at some point, sure. but, but, um, so, so what I'm curious about, and I'm sorry, this is sort of taking the long way now, but no, um, I love it. I'm, I feel like religion was, was it's humanity's attempts to understand why we are the way we yeah. are yeah. because we, because we've been the way we are since before we knew how to ask why we are the way yeah. we are. And, and so, you know, these stories and, and we, we tell them long enough and over a long enough period of time, and we pass them down from generation to generation that they sort of, they encapsulate ideas about the best way to be in the world. And, and that's why you see themes. Like that's why, that's why most religions, you know, value, yeah, that's why religions tend to value life. They tend to value self-sacrifice. They tend to, to value uh, you know, human, uh, human beings intrinsically. And, and there's themes here because it seemed to be beneficial to believe those things. And so we're, we're all trying to figure out why that is. Um, 
And so the way I look at God now is, is, is God is a representation of our highest ideals Mm. that, that, that we've sort of extrapolated like all, all, all the things that we understand about what it means to be good in the world and why it's good. And we've, we've projected that onto a, a being we call God. Right. And, and so, so in that sense, I think God's not real in the, uh, but but believing in him can be sort of helpful and beneficial, and it can sort of help us transmit our way of being to the next generation, and and that information has value. You yeah. Know? So so on the surface, that looks very atheistic. But then my question becomes: If all of that is true, does it point to something deeper? Yeah. Mm. So. So, so I think in a sense, atheists are right where like, I think religion is sort of made up, Mm -hmm. but, but, but where I think atheists fall short is that the idea that we invented religion, it doesn't, it doesn't get all the way to the bottom of, of the why of it all. Right. So that's, that's what I'm curious about. I, I think, I think we are as human beings, I think that we have created religion more or less as a as a way of encapsulating our values in how best to be in the world mm-hmm. but but i also think the truth of how best to be in the world might point to something deeper yeah, yeah. well and the thing is too like i i think you're absolutely right i think i think religion itself may be man made in its ideology but i i I don't know how much that has to do with the reality of spirituality. Like I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I I'm don't know how much religion needs to be informed by spirituality for a God, for an, for a conscious universe to exist. I don't think there's anything that isn't God is kind of where I'm mm. at. Where like, maybe yeah. iterations of religion look different. Maybe they claim a lot of different things about, their highest form of, of, of being. But I don't think that's, I, I, I don't think any of them are not pointing to, to God in a way. Yeah. yeah. Well, and here, here's another way that it gets kind of interesting. So, so if I were to ask you, what, what do you think, indi- what do you think is the, is the most effective indicator of someone's beliefs? what they say they believe or what they act out. You know, we've all had experiences where we've noticed all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I say I believe this, but when push comes to shove, I act this way, right? And and usually, you know, we've we've heard about this idea in, you know, I grew up hearing about this in youth group in the context of like, you know, you guys, you guys, everyone here says they believe in God, but, you know, what do you do? Uh, when it's 2 a.m. and you're horny and you want to look at porn on your computer, yeah. right? It's like it's like the implication that we hear in Christian circles is like, you all say you believe in God, but you act as if you don't believe mm. in God, you know, right. sometimes. And like, that's bad. And like, what I, what I think is even more, is like the most interesting version of this question is that I think there's a ton of people who say they don't believe in, and I'm one of these people, like say they don't believe in God, but sort of act as if we do, <laughs> yeah. Because, be, because, because, like, 
I have found in this season of deconstruction, I've never been more passionate about partnering with causes that uh, alleviate the suffering of, of, of people that are in hard situations, like, like nonprofit work. And, um, I've found a couple of really great organizations here in San Diego. There's, there's half a million people in San Diego County that, that are, are food. It's what's called food insecure. So it means that they don't always have enough to eat in, in San Diego, half a million people. Um, that's staggering to me. And, and I went digging for that information. Like it wasn't presented to me in like a PowerPoint, you know? Um, and so like, I've never been more motivated than I am right now to get involved in, in, in helping people. And why is that? And and like for, for me, I, I've never been as close to, well, not even as close. I wouldn't even use relationship terms, but I've never been as interested in God (laughs) as I am now when I've taken away (laughs) (laughs) some of the labels. I totally agree. I totally agree. I I posted that thing on May 20th being like, sweet, I'm done with God. You know, I can go on with, move on (laughs) with my life. And then I found, yeah, I found since then that like, I've never been more interested because I'm, it's like I cleared the slate. Right, exactly. And I went, oh, okay, clean slate. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, now I'm right. I'm done knowing with air quotes, God. Yeah. Right. But essentially, isn't that right. what a relationship? A relationship is actually one where you keep asking questions. Like we were just saying in our in our our relationship, being a married couple. You know, if we ever get to the point mm-hmm. where we feel like we know everything about each other, like our relationship's dead. You know, and it's yeah. like essentially <laughs> that would be the same about God. And I'm not saying because you know that's not. I'm not really a huge fan of the the terms relationship with God because that definitely points to kind of a Christian narrative. But, oh, but yeah. essentially... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of problem with, problems with right. that. Right, yeah. but essentially like that questioning and my interest and in everything I've been like, my conversations are circled around spirituality more than they, like even when I was in a spiritual, yeah. quote unquote, but it was religious business. It My conversations are even more now about about what is life and what is spirituality and what is religion and what spiritual practices and all and tradition and all of that, like more now than ever and more now than ever, am I comfortable talking about it and, and intrigued and anyway, and, and, and a lot of religions, well, and, that's a form of worship. And, yeah. And you're, and you're free to, to approach things so much more openly and honestly now than you were. Oh before. yeah, Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's it is a an interesting uh, <laughs> change in in verbiage and um, ways to to look at things. And I I've spoken about my uh, my culture. I'm so I'm Native American. I don't know if you knew that, but I, I'm Native, yep. and so mm-hmm. a lot yep. of my a lot of my spirituality ties back to that. And I ne- I never like at the beginning of deconstruction, I would not ha- like have been able to tell you that that's would be part of my, essentially my reconstruction. And I only say that because there's verbiage that I use now that is healing to me and aligns with like my soul that uh, kind of correlates with my heritage. But I never would have been able to tell you that. It's just naturally happened um, as I've right. just kept processing and trying to heal and learning the work of deconstruction and then further uh, decolonization and what that means. And, um, it's just interesting to, uh, 
to be processing that and also experiencing and having these conversations with other people that may or may not have the same, um, I guess, tie to, you know, ancestors and heritage and all of that. But at the same time, right. same time, we all have ancestors and I'm not the only one. Yep. <laughs> like we all have ancestors and there's always history and there's always tradition. Yeah. I think that Native American, I mean, people with Native American ancestors that, that it's, it's almost like a bit more of a potent sort of ancestral line, you know, where there's, it's got such a, it's got such a rich history and identity. um, That's, that's sort of very unique compared to like, like my, my family so my last name is Steingard. So my my family's German Mennonite. Yeah. Um, and so it actually immigrated to Canada from the Ukraine okay. uh, about a, about a hundred years ago. But from you know I, I'm assuming if they're German Mennonite, they came from Germany. At some right, point. right. <laughs> but when when you in Europe you get all these you know it's hard to nail down. There's all these different identities and they're very close to each other and they get intermingled. But with Native American, there's this very clear identity that was very on its own, not that long. Oh, yeah. You know, a few few hundred years ago. Well, Um, and and there's a sense, I mean, I believe that, kind of like Adam was saying that he believes everything is God. I'm kind of along, I believe sort of the same thing, but like everything is spiritual and everything can be sacred. And so I feel like there's also a lot to do with the land that we're on. And there's a sense of... You have a physical uh, representation of something that your culture has always believed to be spiritual. Yeah, exactly. And so there, Mm, that's here and that exists here. And perhaps if everyone... Not that I'm suggesting this as the native one in the conversation, but but everybody, if everybody went back to where they came from, <laughs> <laughs> um, right. then perhaps there would be that sense of spirituality as well, though, too, because there would be some sort of sacred connection to land and culture. Yeah, I, I the only time I feel like I get to touch on what you just described is is when I spend time with my mm, kids. Mm-hmm. So. So that's a the, the the moments that I've had in life uh, that feel the most sacred to me are are and I use the word sacred intentionally because it what I mean when I say sacred is a, a, is moments when I feel like I'm touching the edge of something very very big and very ancient yeah mm-hmm. um. And and there's only a handful of, of of situations that feel like that for me, and and one of them is when I when I spend one on one time with one of yeah. my kids, and I see I see myself in them, and I see my wife in yeah. them, and I and I see my father in them, and I see my mother and my wife's father and my wife's mother, and then I see I see my grandfather, and yeah. you know you can keep going mm-hmm. with that, and so there's something there's something there that's that's sacred is the only word that yes. works for me. Well, uh, it's, on this. it's ancestral and, though too. Like you, you are the land for your children and your, your parents sure, are yeah. the land and they are the history and they are the heritage. So I, I, I can understand yeah. why that would feel sacred. Yeah. And the only other time I've ever had anything that feels similar is, um, you know, if, if you've gone to Europe and, and gone to some of the cathedrals, mm-hmm that are there that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, 
like you know cathedrals like Notre Notre Dame and and stuff yeah. like that. My my favorite one is actually it's also in Paris, but it, it's called Montmartre. Okay. I'm not positive I'm pronouncing that right, <laughs> um, uh, but it's M O N T M A R T or M A T R E M O N T M A T R E. Yeah, Montmartre, um, and and I remember walking into that cathedral and feeling like wow, something ancient and and awe inspiring like either either inhabits this place or inspired mm, this mm-hmm, place mm-hmm. you know and or both yeah. and 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 then the what's really what really freaks out my christian sensibility <laughs> is that the only the only other structure i've ever been in that made me feel that way was um was in abu dhabi there's this mosque there that's just like it's it's staggeringly beautiful um and and being there i was like wow i'm feeling the same thing that i felt at mon mantra it's oh here we are it's uh sheikh zayad grand mosque that's what it was and i remember being there and i think i had sort of started my deconstruction but not fully and i remember noticing wow i feel the same sense of awe and sacredness and um, almost holiness yeah. here. Um, and the Taj Mahal, I've been to the Taj mm-hmm. Mahal too. Same yeah, thing. It's like, it's like, it's, it's overwhelmingly, and maybe it's just beauty. Like you could say, you could say, oh, there, there is a psychological impact of staggering yeah. beauty. Yeah. And you could say, you could say that's all there is. But then I would say like, well, maybe the fact that that is, the case maybe that points to something right too. yeah exactly yeah. right yeah i definitely i i know what you're saying there and I, i've been to the taj mahal as well and yes i i agree <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 beautiful well i mean i just i feel like there's so much to unpack even with within this and i we're gonna we're writing everything down that we need to be researching and of course like there's things that I've heard you talk about that I mean have you um I wanted to also like give you a couple things that you could <laughs> potentially read too I don't know if you've read um yeah, anything please. from Eckhart do you know who Eckhart is uh to- Eckhart uh-huh. Tolle yes yeah I've read uh I've read the power of now but I realized afterwards that I, I think that there's probably a couple of other books of his that would be more useful. Yeah, <laughs> I would just like a- any of his books. Um, I, I'm actually bad when it comes to reading full books. I'm definitely a podcast listener and ar- oh, okay, article cool. nerd and all of that. I'm, a, I'm like a quick absorber. So, um, yeah, I would say any of his books, but definitely listen to any of his interviews. And he talks about the consciousness and um, ego and all of yep. that. And I think that would be... Um, right up your alley. Um, but yeah, thank yeah, you. of course I, I'm just really happy to have this connection, um, with you. Of course, there's things that, uh, we both <laughs> have, have in common and, um, and Adam too. I mean, just, just because he was a drummer doesn't mean he didn't experience a, a lot of the same things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he certainly did. So it's really, it's really fun, I guess, if that's the right, I don't even know if that's the right word, but it is fun. I think there's something healing. I think it's, I think it's yeah, I, I think it's okay. Like these conversations can be heavy for sure. Yeah. Um, 
but they can also be light. And, um, and when they feel light, I don't think that you should feel that that's an indication that they're not doing the work they're supposed to be doing, you know? Oh, oh, certainly. I, if joy isn't part of the process, if there isn't fun part of the process, then, um, then it's just like, there's really no, there's really no point if we're all just trying to figure things out Mm. and getting, uh, wrinkles just staring down into books and like, we just got to enjoy our lives. And uh, that's something that I've. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I kind of got into Deepak Chopra for a mm-hmm. second and there, and I, I, it, it's certainly like, it's just a perspective that's interesting to, to study. I don't like, I don't like fully buy into everything he says. I don't yeah. think cause he's got some wacky ideas, but, um, but he has this one meditation that I think is really, really really helpful and he basically just goes through these four um these four i you know you meditate for a minute or so on each of these four Mm. ideas and it's basically it's basically um you just repeat these phrases so what you do is uh the first phrase is joyful energetic Mm. body so you can say it out loud or you can just sit and think on that phrase and you know just think joyful energetic body and then the second phrase is loving, compassionate heart. Um, the third phrase is quiet, alert mind. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, I've actually heard another, this this one actually, I've heard a different version of that phrase that I like better. And it says reflective alert mm-hmm. mind, which I yeah. like, which I like that a lot better, better than right. quiet. Uh, reflective alert mind. And then the fourth is lightness of being. And, and I feel like when I, I mean, the idea, if you grow up Christian, the idea of meditation is free, sure. right? Even though prayer prayer is basically meditation. And the Bible talks about meditation. But, so. um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but like this kind of meditation, um, which is more sort of Buddhist influenced, I think sometimes Christians, uh, people with Christian upbringings get a little hung yeah. up on it being freaky or sure. something. And I, I, I used to feel that way, but I don't anymore. And, and this one's been really helpful for me. So sometimes if I'm stressed or say I'm, if I have a moment, like usually it's like, okay, the kids are in the bath. I finally got them in the bath. They're playing. I've got a second at least to close my eyes and just like think whatever mm-hmm. I want to think. And so I think, I think joyful, energetic body, loving, compassionate heart, reflective, alert mind, lightness of being. Mm. And the last one's my favorite because... It's like in some senses it it's like it's the most meaningless, but in other senses it's like the most meaningful because it kind of encompasses the whole yeah. thing, right? It's like it's like do you in your being does your being feel heavy or does it feel light? Right. And and if and and if you're, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this in your creative work, but are you familiar with the idea of flow? Oh yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, so it's like when when you get in the flow, it's like one action leads to the next. Flu like fluidly and you're not like clunking through things you're just going from one thing to the next to the next to the next and you're just in this state of flow and it's amazing and you get so much done and you feel so good like that to me reminds me of lightness of being you're yeah. it's like i mentally i mentally picture myself like skipping across the top of like lily pads on yeah. a pond or something and i'm and like i'm so light that i don't see mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. like your body gets out of the way and i know yeah. And like, I know that's like, you know, 
super weird for people that didn't grow up thinking about things like that. But um, if you visualize stuff like that, sometimes it can really calm you and, and, and bring you, you know, kind of back to a place where you feel centered and able to handle the things that you have to handle in your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. So that's my favorite meditation. I love that. Yeah. That's so good. So what, what, who was that by? Sorry. That's Deepak okay, Chopra. Okay. Got it. Adam's got it. He's nodding at me. Yeah, like he knows you, he, he's like, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you just Google the four spiritual intentions by Deepak Chopra, okay. that's, that's, um, and I think he also has, a, 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 I think it's like a three or five minute meditation on YouTube that's centered around oh, great. that. Um, something like that. So I've, so I, I, I think uh, that's worth amazing. Well, I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that too. We're always trying yeah. to give them things to listen to as well and to get into yeah. and, cause you know, we get asked for resources as I'm sure you do too. Like, what should I read? What should I yeah. listen to? What should I be, you know, whatever. And it's like having more resources just to keep putting out as an offering. Oh, I know. I've, I have a hard time with book recommendations cause I've been spending, you know, two to three hours a day for th- two or three years wow. reading uh, and, and I'm a, fa- and, and I'm a fast yeah. reader. So, so like if it's a, if it's a reasonably sized book, I'll finish it in a morning. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. And, and so, well, and I have like, I don't quite have photographic memory, but close. Yeah. And so I, I mostly am able to retain it. And so, um, and, and, and so like, you know, when people ask me for, oh, what, what book should I, should I read? You know, if I'm starting this journey, I'm like, oh, geez. Well, <laughs> uh, and I, I usually say like, I, I usually say like, how far down the rabbit are you? Hole are right, you right. Exactly. Now? And, and, and how far do you want to go? <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, I, I mean, I totally understand. Yeah. I think I have a list of books that I end up sending people, but they're, they're quite varied, but a lot of them, I think I, I typically start with sending people just because of what I talk about in the podcast. I think I typically start with people, books that, that touch on like more purity culture stuff and like breaking that down. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's Interesting. That's been okay. Our, that's a totally different approach. That's than been mine. our angle. So yeah. that's kind of a lot of our early episodes. Episodes were breaking down purity culture. Um, and so interesting. We haven't really talked <laughs> about that at all. Well, that was my my pinnacle experience with the Christian music industry. So it's like I mean, we can have we can have another conversation all about that. Um, yeah. But it's yeah. like usually that's kind of the the angle. Again, again, this goes back to like it. Uh, you know, seeing the way you've approached this and like, although we have, it's like we have similar experiences, the way you've approached it and been able to talk about things and the way that I've approached it. It's been really, it's been really cool. It's all, all really, I was going to say. Oh yeah. Well, and I've, I've loved following you on Instagram too. Um, because, and Adam, I, I, I need to follow you. I haven't followed you. <laughs> I don't do um, anything. That's why. But, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I actually get a kick, Lauren, out of, I think, our first couple of messages on Instagram. You said LGBTQ affirming. Yeah. And I just, I skimmed over that and I understood, I, I thought you were saying that you, that LGBTQ, you were LGBTQ, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, and, no. And so I was like, I was like, oh, like, I feel like I've come out, but nothing like the way you must have feel. And you're like, no, no, I'm actually, <laughs> actually not. I just, yeah, so, um. <laughs> But no, but I love I love what you've been posting and I've and I've gotten a sense of kind of where you're at and and who you are and I love I love what you're doing and what you're up to. I mean both guys and 
Um, so thank you. And, and you know, I, I know we both hear this from, from people and I'm sure you hear it, but you know, I, I want you to hear it from me too. Like there are so many people that don't feel like they have the freedom to process these things publicly. Mm. And so, and so they're processing it by interacting with you or not even interacting, just, just yeah. reading or list or listening. And for every person that thanks you, there's 10 people that, that don't reach yeah. out. So you, you are making an impact and, and, you know, sure. So there's going to be some Christians that think your impact <laughs> is, is negative, yeah. but, but the, the th- I would say to them the same thing I say to, you know, my, my parents and, and, and to people that maybe would be uncomfortable with some of the things that I'm saying is that I'm like, look, if, if I can derail someone's entire faith with a couple of Instagram mm. posts, then then their faith needed to be restructured yeah, anyway. That's true. And 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 I truly believe that they're gonna end up in the long term in a better place than than where yeah, they started. Agreed. And you're and you're you're participating in that same yeah, thing. Too. Well, it's really you. awesome. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. And uh yeah, I'm glad to hear you that you're you're embodying that as well because I know this it, it's well, not always easy. And I know yeah, and I know it feels like a hustle, yeah. right? <laughs> so like you put a lot of work into this stuff. Yeah. And and I I know that on some level you try not to look at how many downloads your podcast get, <laughs> gets or how many followers you have on Instagram or whatever. And I the same way that I try not to think about yeah. that stuff. Um b- but you have moments where you're like, "Oh, am I am I making an impact? Like does this really matter?" I'm telling you it yeah. matters. Oh. It matters. Oh. So thank you. Thank you so much for saying yeah. that. Well, I'm really excited to to um, put this episode together because I know it's going to be so helpful for so many people. And um, is so can I just link like your Instagram and is that OK? Yep. Yep. My Instagram is really the the um, the only place that I'm really processing this stuff. And I guess I'm starting to do some more YouTube stuff now. But, yeah. you know, I, I have some ideas on what I want to do uh, more with YouTube and videos, but right now it's mostly just Instagram. Okay, yeah. perfect. We'll we'll point people to that. So guys, just go check out John Steingard on Instagram. Thank you for listening, and until next time, bye. bye.